The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bunker Mania, Bunkerzilla's official pro wrestling podcast. On a week where there have been much blood and guts, there has been money banked, some money cashed in, some money given to someone where you're like, oh, for God's sake, really? It's been quite a few, it's been quite a few days to say the least since our last show, but welcome back for a bonus edition of the program, an audio exclusive bonus edition, which we like to do every so often to make sure we are fully caught up ahead of our ahead of our, our fortnightly live streams on YouTube, on the Bunkerzilla YouTube channel. But I will come back to that in a moment. I am joined, as per usual, by my tag team partner, my cohort in crime, my stablemate. He is my Ludwig Kaiser if I am Gunther, which I will never look like Gunther, so I'm really flattering myself. But the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. Good sir, did you survive the blood and guts and money in the bank? You mean the blood and guts in the bank weekend? Ah, there you go. <laughs> ah, play, just, I've merged them together. It works that way. So yes, I've, 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 I've bled. I've got some guts. I've put it in a briefcase. I've gone and cashed it in. I've exchanged it for goods and services. I'm not certain what I'll probably get, but it might end up being the WWE uh, creative's latest uh, uh, t-shirt attempt with pandas with Kevin Owens, which is, which is just a beautiful t-shirt in itself. If, if you listening to this have not, seen this t-shirt from kevin owens go out of your way to look at it it's one of the few wwe t-shirts in a while where i've gone i'm really tempted like really tempted but before we get to that a quick little bit of housekeeping if you are joining us for the first time thank you very much for checking us out as mentioned this is a bonus audio only podcast and if you are checking us out for the first time you can find us on the likes of apple spotify google you name it more than likely we are on that platform of choice and as i mentioned at the top of the show every other wednesday we'd like to go live on youtube in the evenings UK time, where we discuss all manner of things relating to WWE, AEW, and occasionally some other bits and bobs as well. Our next live show will be this coming Wednesday at the time you are hearing this, so make sure you head over to YouTube, search for Bunkazilla UK, and you can find details of our past live streams and upcoming streams accordingly. Good sir. We've got some things to discuss on the pro wrestling front today. Blood and Guts has happened in AEW. There was also the Royal Rampage follow-up, which is worth touching on in a quick way in itself. Money in the Bank has happened in WWE Universe Land. I should have said AEW Galaxy to keep up with the Jericho Appreciation Society thing, but there you go. So I guess the question for today is, where would you like to begin? Would you like to begin with the Universe or the Galaxy? Let's start. We'll go in chronological order, so we'll go with the Galaxy. Galaxy it is. So, last Wednesday night, it was Blood and Guts, the AEW equivalent of War Games. It was the Jericho Appreciation Society against Team John Moxley, Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz. You name the crew, whatever you want, them. This was a match and a half. This was so good. Just to give it an all-encompassing thought, this, this was just so damn good it's really hard to try and just emphasize it even more than that but there was one obviously big thing that happened in the match in terms of what didn't go well which is a real shame i'm not sure if there's been an update on it but we'll get to that but Mm. other than that this match was freaking great 
I mean, it it delivered what William Regal promised in the promo. Well, basically, parents, tuck your kids to bed because this will be a very bloody affair. And my God, there's a lot of blood in this match. Uh, it's like, oh, it's like lots of... It's like, why why did... That's probably why the Jericho Appreciation Society wore red on that day. It's like, we're going to bleed a lot. Might as well try and blend it in. <laughs> Surely that would be a good idea. But no, Because well, I mean, Anarchy in the Arena, they wore all white, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, well, they were they were keeping up with the boy band group look, which was mm. superb. You just you just want someone to do like a Backstreet Boys video with them just superimposed in, or something like that. Actually, um, I think this is a, a quick slight tangent. I think Jericho's doing Impractical Jokers this week in America, and there's like for a promotional thing, they've got Jericho dressed up in uh, JAS uh, like ring gear, and the other Practical Jokers are surrounded and dressed in the same. So it's like okay. Cross brand synergy, all that sort of stuff. Um, Fair. Well, I mean, well, hey, well, a- a- any promotion is good promotion in some people's eyes. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't watch the last uh, Blood and Guts match because I think at the time it's like I was kind of still kind of trying to watch AEW the best I could, but not necessarily fully or to coin a phrase, all in with it. To be perfectly honest, um, but obviously you hear about the things. Obviously Jericho going off the top of the off the cage or the carb or that sort of stuff um but no i i think it really benefited this match it really benefited being in front of a crowd especially a hot detroit crowd as well they were really that good for crowd this match. like yeah. they've had some good luck with crowds recently and they were into everything yeah um we'll talk about crowds we move over to money in the bank because i think the las vegas crowd for that match, for that pay-per-view or premium live event was was really stellar as well. But no, I like the fact that this match was in front of fans. I I kind of like I kind of like the setup of of Blood and Guts. They have separate entrances to the cage on either side of the ring, mm-hmm. and basically they have to decide as a team: oh, who's going to go in? Who's going to go in first? Oh, I'm going to take these weapons in and all this sort of stuff. And it it feels it feels like a much larger beast than War Games. War Games. War Games is still a terrific concept, especially in the NXT era as it is right now. Um, even even the NXT 2.0 War Games was still quite fun to watch uh, because I think that was one of uh, Johnny Gargano's last matches. Um, but no, it's just like with War Games, War Games felt very, uh, uh, what was it? It's like constrictive, like really kind of really, really kind of you're really walled in in the cage and all things can happen. And it's like, it really feels really tight and really intense. Whereas War Game, whereas Blood and Guts is more of a wider playing field, but still, it's still incredibly intense. But I think the wider playing field just allows so much to go on across both rings, mm. and it's like, yeah, it's. I, I like both. I like both match concepts, but I kind of like the fact that Blood and Guts is like, oh yeah, this is a complete sell. Have yeah, fun. well, but Blood and Guts is effectively what I will call traditional War Games. Like we're talking like NWA, WCW era war games. It's traditionally what that should look like and has been. And obviously WWE did their thing to kind of make it their own and adjust it for production purposes and such. But the, the concept, the, the timing of people entering and whatnot, just the brutality involved, quite frankly, it, it lended itself really, really well. And another thing that I think really helped this match compared to the first Blood and Guts match from my memory, because it's been a long time since I've even thought about the original Blood and Guts match, quite frankly, is how intense and how into it everybody was. Mm. Just even on a baseline level, Jericho and Eddie Kingston. 
Like just those two alone and the emotion involved and Eddie Kingston legitimately looking like Darth Vader in, at the end of Rogue One, just swiping people <laughs> with a kendo stick. I I just love that. It's like Kingston goes in, he's got the kendo stick. It's like people charge at him. It's like, nope, 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 <laughs> nope. I want Chris and all that sort of stuff. And then, like you said, it's like the brutality aspect of it. It's like, it's not like the heels are bringing the brutality into it at times. It's the Blackpool Combat Club. More, more specifically, Mox. Because Mox just goes, hey, look, I brought some broken glass. Why not? <laughs> Why not? So- what is so interesting about that as well, and this is another thing I was going to say, because from our point of view, for any international listeners out there, we mm. watch this on, we can watch it on ITV on television over here, but mm. I watch it on Fight TV because it's effectively the live international feed. Same the here. benefit we get is we still get the odd commercial break when it's a full-blown ad break. But whenever it's picture on picture in the US, we still get full screen and commentary. And mm. we really benefited having that international feed because some of the stuff that happened in the breaks, like the broken glass stuff, it, it just really added to the entire emotion and spectacle of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like you got your classic sort of hardcore stuff in there. You've got the fun tax as well, which quite a few people went into quite a bit. I think Moxie went in there as usual. Who got um, dragged through the, through, through the thumbtacks? I think... Uh, who got dragged through the thumbtacks? I think so. I think it was Mox, wasn't it? It's either Mox or it's either it's either Matt Menard or... I forget the other guy's name. Cool Hand Ange. <laughs> cool Hand Ange. Well, Cool Hand Ange was basically dangling out the cage by the end of it, just completely it was, soaked in blood. It was so funny because when that happened, it's like, wait, how did he get on the outside of the cage? Hey, he, how? He, <laughs> he, he climbed through like the, the, the metal structure that was holding the two bits of the cage together. If you look, you can actually see it happen. Ah, he's just like, he I'm sort of climbs there. through and then just dangles there. He's like, I'm getting out of here. No, <laughs> save me from the punishment. And also, gotta say, Claudio... I, I always knew Claudio was going to fit in just like a glove into this mm. entire thing. It works so well. And even leading up to it, the small hint at the pay-per-view, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view to be specific, where they clearly showed Kingston was not happy about Claudio and they've not really expanded on it. And there is a deep history. I think Excalibur on commentary mentioned like, in the independent scene a long time ago, they, they did not get along. They do not like each other. But you could tell for the purposes of this, they were like, all right, look, business, let's get this done. And jumping ahead to the end of the match, when they're at on top of the flipping cage, and Claudio has done the giant swing on top of the cage, which I cannot imagine how, let's call it like it is, how flipping scared Jericho must have been, while trusting Claudio implicitly. Mm. The idea that, okay, I'm already, what, like 10, 15, maybe 20 feet in the air. I'm closer to the ceiling than I normally am. And then I'm going to get swung around in a 360 motion for a little bit. Mm. Well, oh, and you know how I could also be pretty close to the edge of the cage while that's happening? <laughs> Just little minor details like that. It's flipping heck. Also, I'm going to say this now. Claudio won a machine. Claudio is awesome. I do not want to see anybody sprinting on top of that cage ever again because <laughs> it terrified me <laughs> when he was celebrating to the crowd and he just sprinted to one side of the cage and then did like a little arm up in the air to, to get everyone to cheer. But when the, the, when when the main camera 
can't keep up with you on top of a cage. You are running too fast. <laughs> Slow down. You don't want to fall <laughs> off the cage. You don't want to be like Sammy. You don't want to. You don't want to fall off the side of the cage and end up through some some platforms, do you? No. I do like the fact Sammy Guevara has been back in line with Jericho for what? Two weeks and he's already gone off the top of a cage and has probably just been, you know, effectively murdered by Eddie Kingston. I'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be yeah. fine. He'll Give brush it, it off. He'll, he'll, he'll brush it off. He'll, be, he'll, he'll come back. There you go. But to the conclusion of the match, though. So it comes down to Eddie Kingston having Chris Jericho in the splash, uh, stretch plum, excuse me, submission hold. The same move that he made Jericho tap out to in their singles pay-per-view match a few months back. Mm-hmm. But behind him, I think it was uh, Daddy Magic who was yep. in a, a in sharpshooter or Boston Crab. It was one or the other by Claudio. And there's the moment where Kingston is just really cranking in this stretch plum. He wants to get him to tap. And then suddenly behind him, you see Matt Menard's hand start tapping furiously on the cage. And the bell rings. Everyone's cheering. The music's going. And Eddie Kingston has that look of, the heck just happened? He didn't tap. I didn't feel that. And he looks behind him over his shoulder and he sees that Claudio had him in a submission and realizes exactly what happened. And it means that Kingston was so close to getting exactly what he wanted, but he didn't get everything. And of all the people who could have made him not get exactly what he wanted and giving him almost that bittersweet feeling of victory, which in and of itself is such an emotional thing to wrap your head around in life in general. It was freaking Claudio. And you can see it, like this Claudio sort of going, yeah, look, we won. And Kingston's like, yay. Yay, like, but it's, yay. <laughs> it's like, go team. Uh, well. Yeah, it was, it was so well done. And this is probably going to lead to some kind of Eddie and uh, Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli matches or program or something once again. And that will be more mm. explored in detail. So they've already threaded seeds for that. But this was just, such such brutality, such good fun. Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia in this match. Holy crap, did these, did these two look great. Just, mm-hmm. just everything about this was good. But the one thing that has to be acknowledged, poor Santana. Yeah. He came in, he did, I think it was three moves. He tried to do the Uranagi suplex, Booker T's old bookend finisher, for those of you who watch WCW. And his leg basically just got caught under him. Literally, it was like his boots almost just dug into the mat a bit too much. His leg just got caught under him, and immediately he was down and out. And I'm not sure if the actual prognosis has come out yet, but from all accounts, it sounds like it's not good and he's going to be out for a long time. He basically may have just destroyed his knee, effectively, Ooh, and various muscles good. in there. That's not good. It's no, a hope, real hope, shame. Yeah, hope, hopefully the injury is not as it's not going to keep him out for too long. Mm. Um, I mean... There is, there are the reports going around that Santana may be on his way out of AEW. Oh, was that in relation to like contract type stuff? Um, contract and also possible not getting on with Ortiz. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that is. Give me a second. I will boot. Uh, let me get. Let me get. That's this. cool. In, in the interim, while, while you're looking that up. Uh, in terms of other things that happened in the match, not just to blow past it, but just to give you a time to look it up, this match in general, if you've not seen it, it is one of the few matches where it's 
you you need to go out of your way to see this. Even if you've not been following the story, just from the spectacle point of view, it was genuinely fascinating. But yeah, the Santana thing is just a real, real shame because Santana's awesome. And I wasn't aware that there may potentially be some stuff going on between him and Ortiz. That's actually a real shame if that is the case. Okay, so um, I've just uh, I've just looked this up. So, uh, and this is uh, this is again the, the quick summary through Wrestle Talk, who also uh, have credited Fightful for this. So basically, uh, on the Fightful post show review of Blood and Guts, um, Saul Rostap addressed speculation that there may be ongoing issues between Santana and Ortiz, noting that the pair don't stand side by side in promos anymore barely interact on screen. Uh, they also haven't taken part in a tag match together since February. Um, what Wrestle Talk do stress, and I think we should stress as well as it is speculation, uh, and none of this is actually being reported for a fact, but there are some rumors based on those signs. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I, I hope that's not the case. Uh, may, maybe, maybe some, maybe, again, it's like you don't want to speculate, but it's just like maybe it's a contract thing. Maybe it's like one person has ideas of where they want to go, the other doesn't. It's like you, you see this sort of thing sometimes in people's careers, or especially when uh, duos kind of kind of get to the sort of uh, like a, a big big sort of decision point in there. It's like say it's like you look at it in content creators side of ways. You, it's like Game Grumps had that moment in the early days when it was. Um, when it was Aaron and, and John Tron and so forth. No, it's even Retro Reaper. I know those are really strange sort of things to sort of bring in, but it's just kind of like it 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 could it could be just it could be just that sort of stuff. Not I hate you, I don't want to work with you, that sort of thing. It's that sort of thing. And it's like you said, you just, sometimes you just need a change. If it is the case, it may just be just need like a change of just a change of outlook. I'll use that as yeah. an all-encompassing phrase. But yeah. in terms of how they appear on screen, I would say, and this is just me trying to draw pretty clutch at straws and stuff by saying this, but from a character point of view, th- those two as characters have gone through a lot. Yeah. Like, if you could say, you know, the whole the way Jericho just booted them out, manipulation, them feeling held down... Eddie Kingston getting involved, him being their friend, and him, them having to say to Jericho, hey, look, you know, he, he's, he's our guy. You know, what the heck are you doing? And they haven't had part of the storyline was they haven't actually had much opportunity to be a team and to really show themselves. So, again, that's just me being a devil's advocate for the sake of it. But if that is the case, it is a real shame because I really like them as a team. But they have been a team for a long time, pre-AEW. They were probably a team for at least another five, six years, maybe. But yeah, again, just to really reiterate, it's speculation. None of it has been properly reported as a fact. It's just kind of things that have just been observed, really. Indeed. In that sort of sort of, sort of, sort of sense. So mm. yeah, Hope, hopefully that's not the case. So before we move on from Blood and Guts, any additional thoughts on that match that you wanted to convey, or anything you noticed that really stood out to you? I mean, I, I think I've I think I've covered the main sort of crib notes on my sort of uh, my sort of thoughts on the match. It was brutal. It was bloody. It told a very engrossing storyline. It sets up story beats to go down for future sort of storylines. So again, Claudio and Eddie and all that sort of stuff. So we there are there are elements there for. It's kind of like this is the end of another arc of this sort of feud, this sort of moment in people's careers. It's kind of, it is kind of like I don't know if it's like a mid-season finale or it's kind of like a, it's like it's it's kind of like an it's like an anime arc. But basically, well, we've gone through this story, but yet there may still be more to come, mm. or there is a different direction coming. 
But I still think I still think Kingston and Jericho will probably have one more match. I think Kingston will probably well, still to, want yeah. it. Kingston will still probably want his pound of flesh mm-hmm. before before moving on. And I think I think they really drive I think they really drive that in on the on like the promo before the match. And even and even obviously the whole ending side of things is like Kingston needs this definitive victory over Jericho to properly move on. The fact it's now been robbed from him at this moment in time by Claudio makes it even more compelling. But are we going to follow down the, the the Claudio route for a little bit and then we go back to Jericho? Or will we have one final chapter between Jericho and Kingston before we move on? Or Samuel will just get thrown off another building or something, you know. Yeah, or, or Kingston will try and set someone else on fire. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So another AEW thing I'd like to talk about, and there are multiple things that you could talk about, but we've not actually had a chance to discuss this on any of our shows yet. I want to talk about Christian. Because since, oh, he, yes. has, <laughs> since he has turned on Jungle Boy, he is the best heel. He is so good. He is the... This is a weird way to phrase this. He is the best dick. <laughs> Just like he's is like the, the best pretentious dick with his turtleneck jumper yep. and his long jacket coming out being oh my word it's like it's, he's trying to be like, a quintessential bond villain that's what he looks like <laughs> yeah just with the added thing of just saying oh yeah i wish your family are dead jungle boy or maybe not your mother because i kind of still like your mother in a way and, and then, then putting like, his hand over the microphone and mouthing call me with the like the, the phone gesture <laughs> of his hand it's just it works so well this is the thing he just mm. it's christian's one of those people for years where he always needed like a moment just to go, I need to remind you why I am who I am. Mm. And it's all played into the story. He's explained, you know, he wanted to be the man, but he was eliminated by Jungle Boy in that battle royal like summer of last year. This is how long yeah. this has been brooding. And he thought, well, I'm going to earn my paycheck and ride on these coattails for a bit and kind of help train them up a bit. And slowly but surely, we've seen the little seeds get planted, him putting them in more matches they weren't necessarily expecting. Little bits and bobs and whatnot, and it's been slowly building. And when he finally turned on them after the losing the titles in the ladder match, it just made sense. It's been so, so good. But the other interesting part of it now is Luchasaurus. Dark Luchasaurus. Dark Luchasaurus. The thing is, though, because there was all this speculation after like after the turn had happened of like what happens to luchasaurus now and in my brain i just genuinely thought and this isn't to make it sound like christian does the same thing in every company he goes to but my first thought was genuinely he's usually got someone like tomko behind him Mm. and i can almost imagine luchasaurus just being the big like bodyguard if you will for, for christian or being like the big ally intimidating ally i don't know how they do it and they planted that seed when Luchasaurus came out to confront him and he just randomly said, remember what happened to Marco? Which in and of itself, I think Marco's stunt actually come out in an interview today and basically gone, yeah, it's a bit lame. Like, they mentioned me. I don't work there. He didn't actually say, like, you know, a bit lame. I don't work there anymore and whatnot. Yeah, but it's, I think... But yeah, there is, think- like, a random thread of... I mean, even he said, it kind of makes sense. In fact, I might actually look up the exact quote while we're doing this, but he in essence said, here we go, right, I'm going to read the exact quotes. This is from uh, WrestlingObserver.com. So, during an interview with NBC Sports Boston, Stump was asked about how he felt about his name being used in the context that it was on the show. 
quote, I was not aware it was going to be said or anything. For them to do it in that context, I thought it's kind of lame. I mean, it makes sense though, in a way. I was part of that group before him, and what he's basically saying is he came in and got me fired. So in a story sense, love it. In a real life sense, hey, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think Marco's contract came up, what, a couple of years, a couple of months ago? Yeah, he kind of left at around the same time as Jerry Janela, because he was effectively one of the OG crew of AEW. Mm, yeah. One of the OG signings. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so I'll be interested to see if maybe that's followed up on at some point, or if Marco's brought in for like maybe like a couple of dates and whatnot just to help tie that loose end together. Because seemingly that is a reason that Luchasaurus has turned. That that, that was yeah. the catalyst for Luchasaurus not clobbering Christian, that line. Yeah. But it might it might well, it could it could be a storyline about maybe contracts of he's got he's got Marco fired. Or maybe it might be something wrong. Maybe, maybe it's like remember what happened to Marco? It's like he might say, I killed Marco, despite the fact Marco's still alive, by the way. Yeah. Or remember what happened to Marco? You ate him. You dinosaur. <laughs> it's like we did what Tony D'Angelo did. We threw him off a bridge and wrote him off. Like randomness with Marco aside, yeah. this dark Luchasaurus, as we're affectionately calling him, I think it is a really good direction because you did also wonder what is next for Luchasaurus and this works perfectly. We've effectively got a new Tomco, but Luchasaurus is a very unique animal, no pun intended, in and of himself. So it I'm was. looking forward to seeing where this is going. And Jungle Boy, I think, is out for a bit with a shoulder injury because... Funnily enough, talking about the international feed on AEW, if you go back and watch the Dynamite where there was the ladder match when they lost the titles, after the show has gone off the air and there's the whole bit with Christian and Christian, uh, sorry, with Christian and uh, Jungle Boy's family and the bit that went viral, you can actually see in the ring people are looking at Jungle Boy and tending to him. And I did wonder, is he all right? Because you know, sometimes mm. you just know, but you can't, it's like, I hate to use this as an example because it's not poor taste, but you know what I mean? But when you look at Santana in the Blood and Guts match, you just, you knew there was something wrong. And if you looked out, and they did their best to not show him on camera again, but if it was if it was the right camera angle and you could see on the far side, you could tell people were talking to him and trying to check on him and figure out what was going on. So there is an element where you can just, you can tell. It's hard to really elaborate more than that, but you can just tell. And I did wonder, I hope he's okay. And apparently he's got a shoulder injury or something. So we don't even know how long Jungle Boy may be away for. But it's a great time for Christian to continue being the Bond villain he is wanting to be with his dark dinosaur in his corner. Yes. <laughs> have a dark have a dark version of, of the jung of the Jungle Express theme. Just heavy metal rock version of <laughs> We will crush you. <laughs> I mean, I'm too fair. We saw Christian's TNA music. Actually, didn't Luchasaurus have a new theme? Actually, come to think, I of think it? he did. I think he did. Mm. It's kind of and the and the, the Titantron's in the kind of style of Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, is it? I, a, I haven't seen it, so which, I can't. Which, which was a movie. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not to say, not to say, Jeremy. Don't you know it's a movie? It's more me saying, well, I've watched it, and it was a movie. Um, take take of that what you will, listeners. <laughs> so, in terms of, well, actually, before I move on there from there, any additional thoughts on on the on the Christian side of things before we uh, before no. we move on? No, I think we've covered all his bastness in one go. 
So a point of reference for, for Dynamite. Also, quick shout out, the, the Royal Rampage two-ring battle royal, which kind of harkened back to almost like the World War Three battle royal from WCW, but it's like a Royal Rumble type situation. I actually really liked it. And in terms of making the two-ring thing last for more than one show, if this is an annual thing now where we get Blood and Guts followed by a Royal Rampage battle royal type match, I am all for it, really. I think it worked really well. It's just a good bit of fun. I think my only observation, and this was from watching the Blood and Guts show, was basically everything happened in one ring. Whereas when it came to war games, you would have it one in like the closest ring to the ramp and then you would have it in the, in the other ramp. So it's kind of like you alternate between the ramps. So obviously fans get a chance to see some mm. of the action. And it was just, it was a bit, maybe it's from logistics and camera work, reasoning why everything happened in one ring until it got to blood and guts. But it was kind of like, when you've watched a couple of war games in NXT, yeah, kind of notice these things. I do wonder for Blood and Guts specifically if the injury to Santana may have played a part in the production element of it. No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about the general matches beforehand because we had like Orange Cassidy. Oh, yeah, I noticed that as well. Actually, I thought they might yeah, have alternated. Yeah, but. yeah. So basically, every every match before Blood and Guts was happening in like the first ring, and mm-hmm. then only Blood and Guts utilized both the rings. Mm. Whereas, whereas I was just mentioning. With NXT, when they did war games and they had two rings, you would have your opening contest in the first ring and then your second contest would be the second. So basically, they just kind of alternating. Make, yeah. make use of both the space. And I think probably it's more of a benefit for those in attendance as well. So basically, mm. they don't fill that out. And I think that's probably a, a good thing, to be yeah, honest. A fair observation. In terms of Dynamite tonight, on the day we're recording this, the 6th of July... That Royal Rampage Battle Royal I mentioned was to determine the number one contender for the interim AEW title. So John Moxley will be defending the belt on Dynamite tonight against Brody King. And John Moxley oh. loves a fight. And <laughs> this is going to be a fight. Ah, uh, Moxley, he'll probably end up bleeding by the end of this. It's like, I, I mean, want to fight. You always end up bleeding at this moment, John Moxley. If on your AEW bingo card you have John Moxley bleeds, you may check this box now before the show has even happened. Mm. Uh, elsewhere, TNT Championship, Scorpio Sky defends against Wardlow in a street fight. Okay. Do you do you think this is the time he will actually, I think Wardlow might actually get the TNT belt? I think because, because is Sky still injured or is he? I don't know if he is still injured. If this is their way of, for lack of a better phrase, fast tracking it away from him, then it's one way of doing it. I will say... It does feel very quick this has escalated to a street fight. Yeah. So there is part of me that does wonder. Maybe the street fight aspect just covers up the injury. So basically they can focus on the things that they can do. Mm. I imagine Ethan Page will probably get involved. Dan Lambert will get involved. There'll probably be all of America's security guards getting involved or something. Yeah. I I mean, I would be surprised if Wardlow does not take the belt away Mm -hmm. in some shape or form. Because I think it's like... You're going into a street fight. There's no real disqualifications. And if you really want to derail Wardlow a little bit more, I mean, obviously the the whole double or nothing stuff was not his fault at all um, in that side of things. It's kind of you want to keep one of your big baby faces on on the right road. So make him a TNT champion for a little bit and then put him on track for for the world championship side of things. That's, Mm. That's probably the best way to do it. But I will be surprised if anything other than a Wardlow victory happens, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, in general at the moment, what next for Wardlow? Obviously, if he becomes TNT champion, he's won the championship. He wants to make it, you know, not to make the title mean something again. But just in general, what's next? 
There's there are a couple of potential threads you could easily weave, including one one that we've not heard from in a while. Won't elaborate yeah. more than that. But it's just in general, what is next for him? Because after all of that build up that we got and the way it ultimately happened and paid off and everything surrounding it that weekend, mm. it just makes you wonder what are they going to do next. Yeah, that's that's the thing we'll have to see. But mm. it's like I like Wardlow. I think Wardlow's yeah, probably likewise. one of them is one of the more charismatic stars in the brand or one of the original, like a, a fully grown, like home talent for AEW. Mm. So it's like, I really don't want to see it kind of go sideways. Mm. Yeah. And obviously people get cycled in and out occasionally, but there's, yeah. but there's definitely ways of keeping him on TV. Elsewhere, we've got a couple of tag team matches on Dynamite tonight. We've got Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir, which I, based on what I've seen, this was a, a a, a duo, that's what I was looking for, established mm. on AEW Dark, which I actually think works quite well because Marina Shafir clearly is really good and there's a lot of future potential, but there's definitely something missing. And I think Nyla Rose is a really good person to put with Marina Shafir, just big, imposing, has got a wonderful aura about her, about her as well. Mm. And it's just really, really cool. And yeah, I really like the fact that Nyla Rose is being paired with Marina Shafir, and they're taking on the the newly named duo, which I think was a given they were going to be called this, of Thunderstorm, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Well, the creative team really, really went all out, didn't they? I mean, look, they, they were <laughs> it's asking for it. It's a good name. It's it. a good name. It's they a were good asking name. for it. The other tag <laughs> match, uh, Butcher and the Blade versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. I am game for this. This should be good fun. One would assume... Swerve is going to do something to annoy Keith Lee again. Because they're best mates, and it's not like they're on course for a breakup, are they? There you go. And the final thing noted at the time we are recording this is that Christian Cage and Luchasaurus appear live. <laughs> so this will be Luchasaurus destroys Jobber, Christian Cage continues to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, the only other thing I will note, just quickly glancing on AEW's Twitter, is um, I didn't actually realize this has been properly announced, but uh, the next ROH pay per view has been announced for about two week, two three weeks time. Yes, Death Before Dishonor. Yep, Death Before Dishonor. So uh, one would assume that FTR will be defending the belts on there. Jonathan Gresham will probably defend the ROH title on there. Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal will likely happen on that show because they're gradually building that up for, for the ROH TV title. So. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, Wheeler Utah is the pure champion. Mercedes Martinez is the women's champion. So, yeah, expect... I would probably, it wouldn't surprise me if we start randomly hearing news about that because they will have to sell some tickets if that show is in just a couple of weeks. I think, basically, you'll start seeing more Ring of Honor-affiliated uh, talent because I think Gresham had a uh, promo on Rampage this last week being a bit, bit annoyed that he wasn't in Forbidden Door or forgotten about. So I, I sense they are. I sense we may have a little bit of ROH focus from AEW in the next couple of weeks. To sell Agreed, the completely. Because I think there's been there was also a report this week uh, about I think Warner a Discovery Warner or Warner Discovery I don't know which way around is it whoever whoever I've owns got, ROH technically. whoever whoever owns whoever owns all of HBO and the and the, and the Warner Brothers universe that sort of stuff the uh, Warner Brothers <laughs> universe well let's be <laughs> thankful AEW didn't turn up in Space Jam a New Legacy did we shall we <laughs> that would have been weird it's like they're playing basketball what's John Moxley doing here <laughs> just just flicking through a TV set and you suddenly see John Moxley just hitting someone with a fork. Oh no, it just paradigm shift Porky Pig. 
<laughs> or no, you know what it'd be? It would be Nick. It would be Nick Gage using a pizza cutter on Jericho, but they'll cut away ah. just quick enough so no one sees it. <laughs> uh, I, I, te- I tell a lie. I tell a lie. It's actually Warner Media who have made this sort of That's uh, suggestion. That's the name. Yeah. Yes, Warner Media. So, Warner so, Media, so what you're saying is you discovered the correct name. I did. But um, yeah, just to, just to clarify, um, so Wrestling Observer Live, uh, they have have st- had they have said that Warner Media is keen for AEW to increase the amount of pay per view shows it runs each year. Uh, so there's like they would like more pay per views, but they are not forcing them to do so. So yeah, I mean, what, I'm trying to think, what traditional. Um, I mean, some of the other bigger events in traditional ROH calendar. Um, trying to think, final battle is normally in December. What were the other big ones? Like Supercard of Honor. Supercard of Honor was WrestleMania weekend. Survival of the Fittest was normally a fairly big one. There's Glory by Honor, which was probably late summer, early autumn time. Um, so yeah, there are definitely. I mean, there's loads more names. I'm just blanking on off the top of my head, but there's definitely scope to use some of the other big ROH names, which are just totally out of my brain at this point, and I'm going to try and look them up now while uh, we're discussing this. Fair enough. So, it'll be interesting to see how many more events they're going to do, because Ring of Honor, something needs to be established sometime soon, as to where they're going next. Um, Oh, so another one was Best in the World. Uh, In fairness, actually, looking at this, there haven't been as many pay-per-views as there have been in in a, in re, in the sort of the era of ROH, I'm thinking. So basically, in 2021, it was specifically the anniversary show, Best in the World, Death Before Dishonor, Final Battle. So Death Before Dishonor was September last year, and then Final Battle was December. So don't be surprised there is a final battle come the end of the year, basically. Yeah. It's like, it's like you were saying, I think a television deal or something about Ring of Honor needs to be kind of... Uh, kind of confirmed or kind of talked about soon because it's just like it's been a while since the announcement that Tony Khan brought it has been made um, and may and maybe maybe once Ring of Honor starts up proper maybe some of the ta- maybe maybe the talent pool in AEW won't feel as congested as it is agreed and because maybe they could go right it's like it, it's like I, I I say it and and I say it, I think people have been going oh no it's not like a brand but it's like but it can be a brand split. It's 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 like it is a, it is a second brand. It's like there's no ways of looking at it. It's like if you want to make sure talent get the attention that they need, put them on a brand. Put them on one of the brands. So it's like some it's like some of the up and comers. So you've got Willie Uta, Daniel Garcia. They're probably going to feature quite heavily on Ring of Honor. I think yeah, they've got a Ring of Honor match coming up anyway. And another big element which. You could kind of understand why you don't want to change it because you have spent a couple of years establishing it. But you've got two AEW Dark shows on YouTube. Just in the interim, and I don't mean this to sound so blasé in how I'm going to phrase this, just make one of them an ROH show. You can just get some banners made around the ring. You can tape some matches. Just make it, have like a Ring of Honor hour, if you want, that you put on YouTube every week, just as a way to keep it going. I mean, he, one would assume he owns the ROH YouTube channel now. We'll just put it on the AEW channel yeah. and it just keeps it alive in, yeah. more, in more ways than just having a champion randomly appearing. And they regularly film AEW Dark and Dark Elevation at Universal Studios in Florida now. So it's like, yep. 
when they're not doing the special like stadia and special like arena shows of it, they they regularly still do it and they do it in blocks. So it's like, mm. yeah, because isn't it? it can I'm be just done. trying to remember. I, 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 full disclosure, everyone listening, I don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation, not because I don't want Neither to, do I. just because quite frankly, there's only so many hours in the, in the week. But I think Dark is specifically the one that's taped at Universal in blocks, and Dark Elevation. I think is the one which are effectively extra matches on the days that Dynamite and or Rampage are taped slash broadcast. Uh, okay. I think fair that's enough. how it works off the top of my head. That's fair. I mean, again, I haven't really been... I don't pay attention to those two shows. Again, not because I think they're rubbish. It's just, again, so much going on. And it's like... And yeah. speaking of so much going on, I think we should wander over to the other universe. I think we should cross the literal forbidden door. And uh, and now go to the world of, of the WWE universe. Jeremy, don't make me change the door again. I went through this last episode. It's like everyone wants to keep banging down that door, kicking it down. I have to keep going to B&Q. We're not sponsored by B&Q, by the way. I think my parents would like it if we were. Because uh, <laughs> they're doing DIY at the moment at their home. <laughs> but... but <laughs> But everyone just keeps kicking it down and taking taking their just stop won't kicking someone, the doors down. Won't someone please think of the door frame? Think of the door. <laughs> think of the amount of work that's made into making a beautiful door. So you say the word think. Some thinking needs to be thought about when it comes to money in the bank because this. So overall. This is just my perception of Money in the Bank. Speaking as someone who doesn't watch WWE regularly, sans whenever we're watching it. This show, on the whole, was pretty good. There was there yes. were a couple of really good moments slash matches. There was some questionable moments. We're definitely talking about the commercial that happened with Alexa Bliss, by oh, the way. Oh, God, yes. We are talking about that. But this was... Um, this was an interesting show in terms of what was really, really clear of what the fans liked currently and what they're heavily into. Because, I mean, the crowd in general was really into stuff. Really good crowd. But it was abundantly clear who people are into and who they are not. What was also clear sometimes is the best of intentions or the best ideas don't go to plan. And unfortunately... You could argue, and I mean this in the politest way possible, this was a case in point with the opening match of the pay-per-view, the women's Money in a Bank ladder match. Because there were some cool moments in there, like there were genuinely some really cool moments in there. Unfortunately, there were multiple things that happened in that match. And I know there's been a lot of discourse the past few days when we're recording mm. this, and I'm not going into that because I've not really paid attention to it. But from my, from my thought, there were some really fun moments, but there were clearly some moments that didn't exactly go to plan. No. I think I, I think it's like there are, there are some unfortunate things that happened in that match in terms of in terms of botches in terms of like miscues and stuff like that. I mean again it's like I mean a lot of people have been very critical towards one or two wrestlers which is pretty much out of out out of line to be honest because it's like they are professionals they have done they is like Again, there there are so many different reasons why something could go wrong in that sort of thing. It may be it maybe it's just unfortunate luck, maybe it's just nerves and stuff like that. And yeah, it, these things happen. But just so, because so as an example, sorry to cut you off, but just as a yeah. as a plain example, if you've got a ladder bridged going up a turnbuckle and you need to run up it, 
in kind of a very, you know, you're trying to bridge your feet as you're running on it. It's really easy just to slip through or to yeah. miss a run. It's really freaking easy. And I felt sorry for Shotzi when that happened, genuinely, because mm. it's like, ah, oh, damn, that sucks. But, you know, hope they're okay. Mm. You know, little things like that can happen. Or, you know, one, arguably one of the most, I can't think of the right word, but one of the more surprising moments was Becky Lynch somehow overshooting the ladder that Oscar was bridged on. I think, I think she kind of bounced off. Because the ladder didn't break. I think basically she she did land on Oscar, but then they both mm. kind of bounced off the ladder, yeah. which was, which was again on one side, it's still a cool little spot, but on the other side, it's like mm. I think the ladder was supposed to break there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so traditionally, you would expect a ladder to suddenly go crumpling in half. Let's put it that way. Mm. But there were some other great moments in this. Like there was, I think it was Liv did she did like a sunset flip over the top of the ladder, landed with both her feet on the ground and then powerbombed someone. I think it yeah, was Liv Morgan Evans. that did that. Yeah, there you that go. Was, that was yeah, a really yeah, cool moment. Lacey Evans got powerbombed, yeah. Yeah, so that was that a was really cool. cool moment. There were some good moments in this match and ultimately, I feel the right person won in Liv Morgan because mm. the crowd were more than up for her getting her chance. And you can tell there is a genuine, a genuine passionate connection between the fans and her. We talked about it. We talked about this last year when we looked at Money in the Bank when um, when it was Nikki A S H who won, and the fact is the crowd response for Liv was just genuinely kind of really really surprising, but also surprisingly in a good way as well. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like wow, it's like she's really over with people, and this is like the first time fans were back in the building, stuff like that. So to see that she was a wrestler fans were really into, and then have that rewarded a year later with her victory in the match and subsequent events that also happened in the evening, it just it just kind of shows how much the fans have rallied behind her. I think in the last year as well, Morgan has come on leaps and bounds mm-hmm. as a wrestler. You see some re- you, case in point, stellar matches at day one against Becky. Um and again you can say you could argue that the the final the final inter- the final mix between Becky and, and Liv Morgan is like a full full circle comeuppance for Becky cheating Liv out of championships for the last couple of times. So yeah, it's a really, it was a really good feel good moment. It was a really good, cause I, I, I generally was expecting Becky to win. I think they were still continuing like Becky Lynch's descent into madness, mm-hmm. which they still carried on even after this match, because it's like, she, she absolutely had a meltdown at the outside of the ring after the, after the match. But, um, but no, it's like, it's like, I think a lot of people just going, it's like, yeah, everyone loves to live, but it's not going to be live. And I think it's just that genuine surprise of, Oh, they're going. They're going for live. Yes, this is what I want to see. It's a nice little fist pump in the air moment, really. Exactly. One. I think. I think in it, when we look at the botches and stuff like that, it's like they are unfortunate, and yep, some of them pop up in botchmania and stuff like that. I, I think in time, people will forget about that and more focus on Liv Morgan's victory. Yeah, everyone. Look, everyone in life, let alone in wrestling, can just have a bad day at the office. Yeah. And it's just, it just happened to work out it was a freaking ladder match that multiple things were the equivalent of a bad day at the office. Yeah. Yeah. The ladder, ma- the ladder matches are incredibly dangerous. So it's kind of like every so often they don't go to plan. And thank- thankfully, no one is seriously, seriously hurt out of it. But it's just like, unfortunately, these things do happen. Hmm. In terms of bad day at the office, Theory, <laughs> he was oh, not yes. liked by this crowd. No. And boy, did. Bobby Lashley come out basically like a 
freaking Superman. This crowd oh, yeah. was so up for him. And we saw it at the last pay-per-view, which the name escapes me off the top of my head. But uh, after he had, after he beat, was Omos. Back, thank you, Backlash. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was that moment when he suddenly started celebrating with a replica title belt with the mm. crowd. And we were just like, what's going on? He's like, he's the next challenger, surely. I think it's like ever since, I think since beating Brock at Royal Rumble, even though Roman had a hand in that. Um, I sense, hang on, did he beat Brock? Yes, because he lost it in the Elimination Chamber. <laughs> so like, because he Brock was injured, the- wasn't he? Because he had the shoulder injury following yeah, like, that match when he got Yeah, super-like. I was just trying to think back. It's like, how did Lashley lose the... Oh, he lost it that way. I remember now. Mm. See, it's been a long year already in wrestling. Um, but no, Hasn't it's it just like, it's just, yeah, I think since Rumble, there's the crowd really are getting behind Bobby Lashley. I mean, the reaction at Money in the Bank showed it. He had a really good reaction as well on Raw, post Money in the Bank. He got to open the show and do the sort of welcome to Monday Night Raw thing. Um, and I think this is this is kind of like the Bobby Lashley babyface. Uh, mm-hmm. So we kind of really wanted to see all this, all this time. We didn't want to know about Bobby Lashley's sisters and all that sort of stuff with his early feud with Sami Zayn and stuff. We just wanted to see Bobby Lashley turn up, kick ass, and just... And just be the powerhouse beast that he is. Sometimes and, it's all you need. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think him taking the belt off theory was was well. I didn't expect it to happen, but it was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of links into some reports of maybe theory versus Cena might not be happening at SummerSlam. It might be happening maybe some other time, like Mania or something like that. We don't know. But again, it's like again, it's like nothing's really being confirmed or anything. It's just like. It could happen. But no, actually, Theory is actually challenging uh, Lashley again for the um, United States Championship at SummerSlam. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh. We'll get onto that potentially, but okay is yeah. my reaction to that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, I can't imagine the US title being hot-shotted. I think having Bobby have it would be, is good, I think, to keep, to really like elevate the prestige of the belt. Because for the last couple of months, it's not had a good a good tenure with people. Not not because of the talent involved, it's just the way it's been booked. It's like it hot shot. It's like it was like Damien Priest picked it up at SummerSlam last year and then he held on for a little bit. Then he lost it to, I think he lost it to Bala, who then lost it to Fury and stuff like that. And this has kind of been an afterthought for a little bit. So having Lashley have it now is actually quite a good thing. Now, the cynical part of me mm. simply thought it's a pay-per-view on Independence Day weekend. It's the US title. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the cynical part of me, but the fact of the matter is, it was the right decision because that crowd were molten hot for him. Mm. And he came across like a big superstar. And at any, at any point in time, if they want Lashley to challenge for the belt, literally just announce it, people will be up for it so yeah. much. Absolutely. And that, that's the kind of thing you need. You need people who will get garner that reaction. Mm. I, I think, think it was... Nice, a, oh, go on. And I think the nice thing with it being Lash, it's like for Lashley now, it feels organic. It doesn't have yeah, to be That is forced. the perfect word, organic. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we go we go from that into like the, the Raw Women's Championship match, which should have been uh, Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley was medically not cleared because there was possible, I think there was a possible concussion side of things. So hopefully she'll be back very, very soon. So we had Carmella fill in. Um, which Certainly a choice for a replacement. But then again, we had this last year with Money in the Bank. It was supposed to be Belair versus Bailey. Bailey unfortunately tore her ACL. Uh, and then Carmella came in. 
And but the, the fact of the matter is, is Carmella is Carmella is a good wrestler. She can wrestle. She can do manager stuff and all that sort of stuff. And and yeah, you just you just needed someone just to kind of have a match with Bianca, and and there you go. I think the result was never in doubt. It was a decent little match. Fair play. I didn't like it personally, but but the fact of the matter is, it was a match. It served a purpose. Bianca retained. We carry on. It's that sort of thing. So it's not like. I don't think I. Do, I think the final matter is it's like to look at it very negatively to say oh because Carmella's involved. It's like well, they just needed to have Bianca have a match. That's basically what we. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't. I don't discredit that and dispute that at all. It was more just the thing of, and so the the way I'm looking at this is from a replacement point of view. When mm. you've got someone the caliber of Rhea Ripley, yeah, Carmella is not what I would call based on that alone an adequate replacement. But then again, you have to, but then again, you have the money in the bank match going on at the same time. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, do you have the star power? It's like with money in the bank, you need the star power for the ladder matches. It's like, they are, they are like the centerpieces of, of the card. There may be some feuds now and then, which obviously make them higher sort of elevation. I guess, a good case in point that would probably be CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank many many years ago mm-hmm. because the the whole the whole everyone's looking at the CM Punk contract situation at the time of the storyline and they don't think about the mat the ladder matches but then over the last couple of years especially with how the champion the big championships have gone like right now we don't see Roman a lot at the moment it's kind of like well you need to put your bells and whistles. On it, and it's kind of like, uh, I, I, it's like I, I'm kind of rounded on this, but it's just like I kind of feel, to be to be honest, it's like, yeah, I can I can see again why maybe the the Royal Women's Championship was not really kind of booked with a more sort of noteworthy challenger. But again, I I don't think I don't think that's a mark against Carmella. I just it's just I think the focus is on the women's money in the bank. Let me put it this way to you. Looking at the lineup that was in the Women's Money in the Bank match versus mm. the title match, I would say Lacey Evans, I've not seen much of what she's been doing recently, but she very much felt like an afterthought in that match to me. I honestly couldn't tell you one thing she did in the match. That's not me just dogpiling. That's just me stating no. it like it is. No, but no, I fine. think Carmella in that match actually would have added something as a presence because... She's won it once before with James Ellsworth's help. Won it again without James Ellsworth's help. And it's just that thing of, in terms of like pedigree of being involved in Money in the Bank, that actually would have added something Mm. else to the match. Okay. Whereas, and in the context of the Raw Women's title match, you kind of just said, it's kind of like a foregone conclusion. Like, who's going to win it? There was pretty much no chance of Carmella beating Bianca Bella. And I think you could have, not saying perhaps put Lacey Evans in the spot instead, but I'm sure there could have been a bit more shuffling to have made it seem, okay, that's a bit more of a credible threat mm. for Bianca's title. That's more what yeah, I mean. But again, t- again, it's a very short build. I think the, the original plan was, railroad- was derailed because of injury. And again, mm. case in point, look at AEW. They, they've had yep. to quickly rechange directions. I, I just, I think at this state, I think it would have been a completely different story if we had the original match with Belair versus Ripley. Um, but in terms of, I, I think whatever happened, I don't think, I don't think Belair was ever going to lose the belt. I think Rhea is going to be the one to take the belt from her at some point in future. 
because I thought I thought for a moment when Liv won the belt, it's like, ah, I see. We can tell this nice story of Liv finally getting her her payback on someone who's betrayed her many months down the line. Did not happen. <laughs> well, you know what? That that this might be a good moment just to actually bring this into the conversation. So uh, I think it was a couple of it was one or two matches after the, the Money in the Bank match. There was a mm. backstage promo with Liv where she was asked, oh, you know, when do you think you're cashing it in? And she just did a promo, just said, I'm really excited. I'm going to celebrate. WrestleMania sounds kind of cool. Mm. Effectively is what she said. And I thought, perfect. I like the fact we've established this is going to be long-term. And for once, it's not just going to be done the same night. Oh, Jeremy. Oh, oh Jeremy. Pa- oh, past Jeremy, where, where you were oh, fool to think that. I think everyone was thinking, oh, Oh, we're not going to have the 24-hour thing happen again. It's like, fools. Absolute fools. We fooled WWE just sitting there with their bottom going, we fooled you. But the funny part was, after the match with Bianca and Carmella, there was a... Because Carmella attacked Bianca. Yeah. And there was that part of me that just thought, if they They're were going to do it, this is literally the time to do it. But then there was also that cynical, like, smart fan part of me that was like, they ain't going to make... Live, take the belt away from Bianca. Like it just yeah, yeah. there's part of me, but then it's like, but they could, they could, <laughs> but they didn't. And it's like, hang on, it's like this, like the, it's like, yeah, you're right. The moment the beatdown happens, like, oh no, we're not, we're not, we're yeah. not teasing a cash in or going for us, are we? No, okay, are we sure, are we sure. All right, we'll carry on. <laughs> so let's fast forward. We'll come back to the tag match in a few minutes, but let's yeah. fast forward to Ronda Rousey and Natalia for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This match was a lot more technical based. Yes. I, I liked it, but I liked it more for how... What's the word I want to use? For almost how rough and ready it felt. Yeah. In fact, it's, actually, I think I said a similar thing to the Charlotte Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania, where there was mm. an element of almost like, I don't think I used the word danger, but it was an element of at any given moment, something could happen. Yeah, And I, I liked that about it. And eventually the crowd really got into it. And it ultimately ended with Rousey using a submission, which was kind of like, she had like an arm bar on, but also used her feet to effectively start initiating, in essence, like a choke or similar. Yeah. There's a particular name for it. But I really liked that as a finish. But during the match, Ronda Rousey's knee was being worked on. And yeah. this knee was really bothering Ronda. And Ronda did a great job of emphasizing that as well. So I really liked it. And when it was all said and done, and suddenly you hear Liv's music hit, and the camera is on Rousey's face... And you literally just see her mouth the words, oh, shit. (laughs) And then Liv comes pelting it down the ring, hands over the briefcase, and there's a moment where you could tell the crowd are like, wait, wait, is she? What's going on? She's handed a briefcase. What's going on? What's going on? What's Mm. going on? And then the ring announcer says she's cashed it in. And then we get Liv v. Ronda Rousey. And there's the moment where Liv goes in for an attack, misses, and Ronda Rousey then gets an ankle lock on. And you yep. could tell the entire crowd just went, no. <laughs> it was I a think spectac- I think that was everyone's like, no, don't do this, WWE. Yeah. This is this is like, this will this will put a sour grapes on the rest of the pay-per-view if you do this. And going, there was, no, no, yeah, no. And, and there was that moment where you're like, oh my god, they're actually gonna do this. Are you freaking kidding? And then Liv kicks her in the knee. 
the bad knee, and yeah. then gets a roll up and wins the freaking belt. And it was almost a moment of, wait, wait, oh my God, just like a, a little pause because everyone was like, oh crap, she's done it, amazing. And it, and it was a cool <laughs> moment. And I, I really liked Ronda giving her the belt as well. Yeah, there's a really cool video that came out from WWE today, I think just uh, just before you started recording, of basically the commentary cam of Cole and, and McAvee because it's like they, it's like for a moment, they generally don't know that it looks like the cashing's happening. And so they're just sat there just going, <laughs> yep, yep, Ronda's won. They hit the music and just go, wait, what? And they just immediately push up from their chairs because they're really <laughs> excited about this. And it's like, it's like the moment Liv wins, you've got a footage of Cole kind of doing a mini hop and a fist pump in the air going, Liv's done it. <laughs> There's one and thing you can like, tell, like Michael Cole is just so happy working with Pat McAfee. You can mm. tell there's a genuine, there's a genuine chemistry about those two. Mm. But it, it also, I think it just with Morgan's win, it just kind of cements the fact that her peers love her, the fans love her. It's just, it's again, it's it's amazing. It's like it's a moment. It's like it's the fact is this is Liv's first belt in WWE as well, so it's not like. She's won a tag match or anything like that. It's like she's won her first belt by pinning Ronda Rousey. And mm-hmm. you don't pin Ronda Rousey regularly in WWE. So it's like mm-hmm. that's a massive moment. And there's Where an easy go- story to follow on from it. It's like yeah. Rousey can effectively go, congratulations, you know, well done. Now you got to face me with me knowing I'm going to face you. It's an easy story to tell her. Like, can you could almost make it Liv's first title defense? Can she actually? I hate to say actually beat Ronda, but yeah. can she actually beat her knowing there's a scheduled match? I coming? mean, I'm 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 kind of worried it's going to be a short reign for Liv. And Likewise, I, I agree. Short, I don't I want it to be. Not, I don't want it to be. It's it's either either Ronda will get straight back at SummerSlam if they go ahead with the match, which they probably will. I think they are going to, or Flair gets it back when she comes back from from honeymoon and stuff like that. And again, don't really want to see that. Just let just let let Liv have a couple of months with the belt. Let her kind of face a nice array of challenges. She can face Shotzi. She can face Lacey Evans. She could face Natalia, Aaliyah, all that sort of stuff. And then when you're ready to go back to your regularly scheduled programming of Ronda versus Becky for the next main or something like that, then do it. Or something like that, and instigate maybe a heel turn for Ronda. But other than that, it's like I really don't want to see a short run with the belt because that's what happened to Nikki last year. Yeah, I was just—I'll be honest. I don't know what the current crop of like roster splits is, so I'm not sure who else there I is. I mean, they so, just so actually just now. to actually clear this up for me because I genuinely don't know. Is Liv technically on Raw? Like title aside at the moment because she's a SmackDown I champion. Think- but what brand is she actually on? I believe she is Raw. So now okay. she's telling now she should be in theory SmackDown. Fair. Because yeah. because I, I am aware that on Raw, like her and Bianca tagged, and it seemed like they had a really yeah. like sort of fun chemistry about them. Mm. Yeah. And I, yeah. So uh, hey, I'd be off for, hey, you know what might work if you're gonna have champions tagging or having women's tag team matches? There are some tag team titles you're not doing anything with. Just saying. Speaking of tag team championships, mm. let's double back one match because we had for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship the Usos defending against the Street Profits. You go first with your thoughts on this match. I've, I've dictated a lot of thoughts here. So, what yeah. did you think of this match? This is by far a match of the, the pay per view and the night because 
it's just, it was a nice slow burner between these two teams because we have seen these teams fight each other before. Um, but it just there was a big fight feel about this one, and it really kicked in a gear like halfway through. And it's just like it's wonderful tag team wrestling. It's tag team wrestling that when you give it time to soar, it's it's great. It's like it reminds it kind of like the drama and all that. It kind of reminded me really like of like black and gold NXT tag matches of when they really escalate. Like you think you got a finish, it's not the finish. You go from false finish after false finish, and you have these big move sort of highlights. One of which is Montez Ford doing suicide dive over the turnbuckle again or slightly for, not for, over the turnbuckle but every time i see man. that is every time i see that i'm terrified but excited at the same time <laughs> oh. yeah th- this match when it really kicked into gear this match was phenomenal i was bored as hell for the first half of it and i'm someone who really mm. likes tag team wrestling but for whatever reason this just didn't click with me for the, that first 10 minutes or so. Mm. But I've got to say, like there were there were great moments. The crowd was super into it and whatnot. Just for whatever reason, for me, it just didn't click for that first half. But you've got to say, Montez Ford is a is a breakout superstar singles-wise waiting to happen. I, I, I think both Ford and Dawkins have mm. oh, yeah. singles careers. Not taking up. anything away from Dawkins, but there is just something about Montez oh. Ford that you just, you see everything about him. And to coin a phrase that, that Razor Ramon used to say, oozing charisma. There's just oh, something it. about him where you just look at him and you're just like, this is freaking, this guy, if they want to pull the trigger, want to pull the trigger and strap the rocket ship, whatever the phrase is on them, it could go so far. I, I mean, absolutely. I see Ford being a main event player. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily straight away. I mean, there was there's this whole there was this whole bizarre bollocks about the, on the SmackDown before the pay per view. Right. I wanted to bring this the, up as well because yeah. this, this was mentioned been, on commentary. Yeah. So no, it wasn't mentioned on commentary, but it was but it was like they had a random Q and A with interviewers again with the people, and then they just they said, "Oh, by the way, Street Profits, I heard that you're not getting on. What's the deal with that?" And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was referenced on the commentary during the premium live event. Yes, <laughs> but, but yeah, because like like, they- I heard that and I kind of thought, oh man, so they're gonna lose because they're gonna start breaking up. All right, ultimately not what happened. And no, as far as so, when it comes to the finish, I would, from my perspective, and I, I watched it not knowing what happened when when Montez Ford was pinned. And he's like, he's, what's always trying to describe this in audio form? The way he is being pinned, if you look at the position of his hands, he's like gripping the Uso with an S grip, which is like when you sort of clench your, the end of your fingers and like pull on them effectively. He's doing that while being pinned. And I just thought, surely his shoulder is up. Like physically, his shoulder is not that, his arm and shoulder is not that long. Even I can Mm. tell that. But then it's like, okay, sure, that was a little bit weird, but whatever. And then ironically, they started showing replays of it. And then yeah. that played into it. And uh, I well, think there was, I think there's literally, I'm pretty sure at some point, Montez Ford basically just said while the camera's on him, why the F did the match end? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. It was really funny. Yeah, but it's like, it obviously gives you an excuse to have the match again, probably at SummerSlam. One probably assumes this is going to be the blow off on the Usos will get dethroned. Yeah. 
Because I think if if again, it's like the whole thing of when Roman loses the belt or when does the crack start to fall in the bloodline, this could very well be it at SummerSlam. Because clearly it clearly they have to think of the book again i say wwe think of their booking but sometimes i don't think they do at all um it's just kind of like you have the thing of reigns only appearing on the big 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 shows now so he's not you know like so, you know like smackdown occasionally <laughs> or madison square garden smackdown um so yeah he's on SummerSlam. he's not penciled in for extreme rules which is the next one after that He's penciled in for Clash of the Castle because obviously Drew wants his match there. Um, assuming, anyway, assuming he's still champion. Assuming he's still champion because he might be cashed in on at SummerSlam, which I don't think is going to happen. We'll get I mean, onto that in a second. Well, no, knowing how they're booking the current Money in the Bank holder, I would not Do you want to just, just jump forward to that? Well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go forward to that. We we finished talking about talk about the time match. I think if you are talking, I I. Enjoyed that. I basically I thought the match when it kicked into high gear was amazing. I with you, it took its time to get there, but I think just for some of the spectacle and like the big crowd feel of those false finishes. So there's this beautiful screen cap of Dawkins just looking genuinely shocked. It's on it's on the same level as like um offspray at Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, what happened? Why is it two? Why is this match still going on? But yeah, if you if you have to look at any of the matches to watch on Money in the Bank, this is probably the one. So, at this point, we have the SmackDown women's title things happen. Which we talked about. But before we get to the main event, let's talk about Alexa Bliss. So, first of all, Alexa Bliss was in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Somehow Mm -hmm. was fine after it, because there was a nasty moment involving her when like a ladder bent under her or something, I think it was. Mm. But then we cut to backstage. No, no. Earlier today... Sorry, yes. Earlier today, Earlier backstage. today backstage. <laughs> and Alexa Bliss goes into a locker room where Lily, her doll, is sitting there. And there are some, like, road cases, if you will. Like, things that you... If you're touring, a touring production, you keep things in these road cases. Like, you know, equipment or shoes or clothes. And based on what Alexa was saying, where has all this stuff come from, Lily? And then she looks at a particular shelf... And there is a conveniently placed WWE branded Capital One credit card. And as soon as that happened, my immediate thought, I had two immediate thoughts. One, no, don't do this, please. The other was, this is the equivalent of if you really want to make someone in GM mode on 2K22 really lose popularity in an advertising promo. <laughs> this is how you do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also, the crowd boo this right out of the fucking building. <laughs> and I feel sorry for Alexa, but well-deserved, <laughs> quite frankly. Might, might, might have got a nice little pay packet for, for the advertising stuff, which is probably nice and fair. And, it's, and again, it's part of the job. But my word was this terrible. I would have preferred that advert of the, the Roman god walking around backstage going, what is this wrestling bollocks? Ah, the British Roman. The British Roman, who's clearly American doing a British accent. <laughs> but but you realise why they don't do that advert anymore? Because, you know, they ha- already have a Roman, Roman Reigns, and you can't oh, have no. more than one Did person Ro- that's seemingly <laughs> a Roman. Part of the contract renewal. I don't want to see that Roman anywhere backstage again. <laughs> only one reigns, only one tribe. Only team. one. <laughs> We're the ones. 
So yeah, this 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 commercial, it's one of those things that it will just be forever etched in people's memory. And if it's not already Mm. on a Botchamania compilation, I'll be amazed. It will be soon. Um, There you go. Also, just in terms of things that happen backstage or in between matches, what do you think the mysterious things are all about? This is the other thing. The the graveyard stuff. So my first thought genuinely was, there's light bulbs. It's Bray Wyatt, surely. Which my other thinking was, that's why McAfee randomly said on a pay-per-view when there was a cosplayer of Bray Wyatt, is that Bray Wyatt in the front row? And everyone, including us, just went, what? 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 <laughs> because that's just the first thing I thought of. And I've, I've heard a couple of things from Scuttlebutt Online looking at a few places of what it may be. And I'll be honest, if it's what one of them is supposedly is, I'm just like, Really? Well, I saw the medal and I thought, is this Gable Stevenson finally coming in? But Okay, that's yeah, not but, for that. But but I can go into this a little bit because I think Fightful uh Fightful reported this. Uh has, has Senor Ross Sapp done his work? <laughs> yes. Uh if you're thinking it is someone spooky or someone new, then temper your expectations because it's possibly the return of Edge. Oh, that's the one I heard. I'm just thinking, okay. It doesn't really. It doesn't really fit. If it was Judgment Day Edge, fine, I get it. It's then you kind of heighten. It's like apparently these vignettes are supposed to kind of highlight past victories, like Kurt Angle, which was the medal. And it's like I didn't I'm sorry, get that I, sense I, at all. I didn't get that at all either. It's just like yeah, there was I, a number I, plate there, which apparently I think said Latino Heat, according to someone who froze the frame. Yeah. So again, it's like so that's Eddie Guerrero, Guerrero versus Edge again, which I know they had matches, but I don't remember them. So that's the ruthless Probably. aggression era, effectively. So is the next yeah. one going to be like you know, the gonna have the, the, the Vicky Guerrero the chain era. gang? <laughs> Got to have the chain gang or the uh, I I don't know. It's like fair enough. It's building return of Edge. Great, fine. So it's like, what character is Edge coming back? Is he coming back to Metalingus? Maybe he's going to come back as like a punk rock. You know, he's got to go. He's had his emo phase <laughs> in Judgment come, Day. He, he had. He had his he had his dark he had his dark purple velour jacket. Now he comes back with his cherry red velour jacket. He's not the Judgment oh, yeah. Day. He's the Affection Day. Does do Seth Rollins still wear a red jacket occasionally? Because that might be copyrighted already. Seth Rollins has a different suit every week, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if it is Edge, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But um, it's not immediately what I thought mm. at it's, all. It's, it, yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a, a bit of a. Uh, and you could have done like a surprise debut or re-debut of someone that has been gone for a while. I mean, a lot of people thought why. I think the thing was with why. I'll believe why is in WWE again when I see it. That's all Maybe it's Bailey. Could be, but ba- I don't think Bailey's got any in medals. How no, probably not. But that could be a tenuous link created somehow. Maybe I don't know. Maybe like but she's yes. worth you know, she's worth her weight in gold. There you go. Okay. She ha- she you know I think she idolized Eddie Guerrero. Was she not? No, that was Sasha. Was she not in the building when Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar? No way out. Two thousand four. I swear that's been said in the documentary. I can't before. I can't remember, but I know in terms of Guerrero inspired offense and attire, it's been Sasha. Mm. So. Yeah, well, there you go. There's two potential tenuous links I've created there. 
Uh, in, terms, in terms anyway. of light bulbs, I don't know. Randy Orton. Ding dong, hello. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he, his so. voice is in his head. He changes the light bulbs in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh. terrible at this today. I'm sorry. No, you know what? This is why we're doing this. It's all good. <laughs> so we get to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, the main event of the show. Sorry, I want to I wanna try and do... I hear voices in my head. I twitch the light bulbs in your head. They're all light and bright. I don't know what I'm going on with this. This is probably going to be cut. Carry on. <laughs> the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match featuring Drew McIntyre, Mad Cat Moss, Omos. They, they are very close names, just saying that, WWE. Not related, of course, but... Exactly. Uh, the Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth Freakin' Rollins, and Sheamus. But wait, there's more. Because Adam Pearce comes out and starts saying, Ah, oh, hasn't it been a wonderful event? And yes, Adam, it's been wonderful. How are you going to ruin it today? Because <laughs> he said he was going, there is now an eighth person in the match. And normally, when you're going to put someone else in a match of this caliber, you make it a surprise return. Someone that people will be like, ah, oh, I'm so game for this. Let's see what the heck they're going to do. And in theory, that's what you would do. Get out. But the theory <laughs> in this Get instance... Out. But the theory in this instance was clearly with a different theory in mind because not Austin Theory, of which... I'll actually, I'll say it in a minute. Because, oh, look, Austin Theory came in and everyone... To say they were pissed off is an understatement. I have an observation about Austin Theory. I feel the need to, to ask you, seeing as you are a regular watcher of, of the Monday Night Rules. If he's no longer Austin Theory and is only called Theory... Why is his move and or music still saying A-Town down? Because that's his catchphrase. A-Town down. But he's not Austin. Eh. Uh, no, no, I need a better answer than that. I need you to tell me. <laughs> do, do you have Vince McMahon on speed dial? Do you want to talk to him about creative right now? I mean, look, I don't want to talk to him at all right now, quite frankly, given what he's going through. Mm. But I, I don't know. It's stupid bollocks. It's that word we always love using on the show. Stupid bollocks. <laughs> so Austin Theory gets added to the match. No one in the world, all of it, and below, is happy about this. And of course, you kind of knew. You could kind of write your own story as to why he's been added to the match. I don't know if this has been elaborated on. One would just assume Vince added him to the match in story because he's no longer champion or something like that. That yeah. seems like an in-character Vince McMahon thing to do. That seems logical. Seems logical. Yeah. The fact that you said that implies they've not followed up on that at all on Raw. So that's fine. Uh, no, no, he kind of... He kind of uh, well, well, we'll talk about the match and then we'll talk about the Raw. This match, though, w it was good fun. Mm. It was. We got we got to see Sheamus and Drew beating the piss out of each other. Always a good laugh. Always you got, a good time. You got Omos literally bringing the match to a to a standing halt at various points. Uh, I thought Madcap looked all right. Sami Zayn had some great fun moments. Seth Rollins was great, being the creepy bastard that he occasionally is. Mm -hmm. And it was just a it was a fun match. This is. It was fun and engaging to watch. There were various moments of dread, including Riddle doing the freaking RKO off the near the top of the ladder on Rollins. That was in freaking sane. 
Mm-hmm. There were just some really fun, creative moments in this, some great moments of dread, just some people beating the piss out of each other. Always a good laugh, as I have said. But ultimately, what it came down to, because it was Riddle at the top of the ladder, right? Yeah. And then it was Theory, who uh, who ruined everyone's theory that Theory could hopefully not win this match by then grabbing the briefcase and everyone immediately starting to leave the building. Pretty much. <laughs> they kept doing aerial crowd shots and it's like, whoever's on production, mate, change your camera angle, seriously. Change it, go for a tight close-up. He's taking selfies. Do the selfie cam. <laughs> yeah. Do the selfie, then airdrop it backstage so they can put it on the screen. Yeah. In terms of, it's like from a storyline perspective, I get it. I'm fine with it. It's just, I think, it's like very, I think very will be good. He will be good eventually. It just feels like we're rushing this right now at the moment. And the fact is, I lo- I liked Fury when he was in the way in NXT. He mm. was good fun to watch. Again, his matches were fun. He was fun being the lovable goofball idiot heel, which I thought was fun. But it's like, I think a lot of observations is like this new sort of, I take selfies. I'm Vince McMahon's best friend because I stole his egg back in Survivor Series. It just hasn't really meshed with crowds. And it's like, there was, I think WrestleTalk made some good observations on this. They said basically, when you when you boo a heel or you kind of you don't, it's like with heels, you hate them, but you love to hate them. So if they do have a big victory, like say they win Money in the Bank or they win a championship, you want to stay there and boo because you know that's your job, that's your role. You're supposed to boo the heel. Whereas if you're if you don't like a heel and if you're basically with heels, you need to kind of still be supportive of the heels as much as the baby faces. So if people aren't staying to say boo theory and that sort of stuff and going to the car park straight away, that's not a good sign. It's it's what has been termed in the past as X-Pac heat, like go mm. away heat, but not go away in the sense of, you know, I'll oh, go away, boo you, go away as in, no, actually go away. I don't want to mm. see you. Yeah. And the thing is though, I remember, I remember when we were talking about Survivor Series, like, I really liked theory and that whole thing. Like, it was a cool idea that, okay, so he's going to be the guy that Vince sort of, I would say takes under his wing, for want of a better phrase, but is associated or affiliated with Vince. And that kind of culminated at WrestleMania with everything that happened there. And to me, at that point, even I'm, you know, again, I only watch the pay-per-views and such. There's a, yeah, I can see the progression here. I can see this. But it's now got to the point where you could still... I say drag this out a bit longer. Like his match with um, Ali that we saw in the last pay-per-view was a good match, particularly because it was in Chicago and everyone was behind Ali. Mm. But there is just an element where it almost feels a bit too too soon. And also one would assume, given that the champion is likely either going to be Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, he will basically be Kofi Kingston when it comes to cashing in the money in the bank in the sense of Brock Lesnar beat him in five seconds. Well, again, I've, again, half the time they talk about, oh, we're cashing at SummerSlam, we're cashing at SummerSlam. I think it's more to get a reaction out of crowd. I do not see a cash. If they are serious about putting belts back on TV, yeah, we'll see. A, we, we will probably see Drew beating Roman at Clash of the Castle. That, that's, oh, you know what's... Oh, I've just figured it out. And then Fury will cash in on Drew <laughs> at Clash in the Castle. Yeah, you know, you know it will happen because there'll be the moment of yay, Drew did it in the oh, UK. No. And oh then, no! <laughs> oh no! A town down. It's literally going to happen, isn't it? 
Make oh. a note of this. Make a note of this recording, boys and girls, and non-binary friends. This could very well be us predicting what happens at Clash at the Castle. Oh. <laughs> well, basic, basically, Fairy is going to be there to cash in on your favorite baby face. <laughs> What's going to happen? I don't. Is it? I don't. I do not see. I do not see a cash in happening in SummerSlam. I think again. I think Roman will win again. And for the and just saying this now, for the love of fucking God, do not do this match again. <laughs> so I feel the need to, to read something on Wikipedia. On, okay. from, from Austin Theory's Wikipedia page to emphasize oh, how much of an important night in the history, in the annals of time of WWE, what Austin Theory accomplished this night was. Quote. Theory lost the United States Championship to Bobby Lashley via submission, ending his 75-day reign. Later that night, he was added to and won the 2022 Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Theory's Money in the Bank win makes him the youngest superstar to win the Money in the Bank contract in WWE history, as well as being the first Money in the Bank winner to lose a championship and win the contract on the same night. Fair enough. So he's made history. He's winning the belt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be the first person to have three belts at the same time, isn't he? He's gonna. He, uh, what if he actually wins the United States Championship at SummerSlam? And he, he can unify it. that with it to make it the United, United Unified WWE World Championship. The undisputed United States WWE <laughs> World Universal Championship. Oh my word. Oh, they could actually do it. You, you know WWE. WWE love pulling the silly bollocks. They could very well do it. And then Fury finds himself in a row of having to defend three belts at the same time. Or maybe just going, no, 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 I'm only going to defend this belt today. Because it's like, I can't. I can't imagine. Well, Cody. Cody's going to probably win the belts at Mania at some point. Th- theory. He, whether it's- th- theory. Tri belts. A <laughs> town trida. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's. We'll have to see what happens. It's like from a story of timeline perspective, I get it. Something still feels like it's missing in the actual end product. And I think once it clicks together, I think it will work for Fury. And I think Fury has the talent to do it or can do it. It's just not probably with this character. But anyway. So there we go, everyone. That was Money in the Bank. Uh, any additional thoughts before we uh, move on, good sir? Because there might be one or two quick bits that we can touch on before we wrap up for this bonus episode. Uh, no, nothing from my side. In terms of uh, the Raw after Money in the Bank, it was Independence Day theme, so it was all about the celebrations of, obviously, American freedom, all that sort of stuff. R-Truth got destroyed by Gunther because foreign heel. Why not? Oh, so um, Gunther actually appeared on Raw. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and and completely destroyed and R-Truth dressed up as Uncle Sam. Um, yeah. That seems like a very WWE thing to do. The, the, I think one of the, the highlights or one of the spots that keeps being shared is basically uh, Lashley and the Street Profits had a six-man tag with Theory and I think it's uh, uh, Alpha Academy. And the, there's a great there's a great shot of Theory kind of like mouthing off against people and Dawkins out of nowhere just shoulder barges Theory and Theory skids right across the desk <laughs> and off. <laughs> And you cut to Bobby Lashley's just going, 
Oh, it's like he's. I think he's he's half surprised and also corpse at the same time. It's like I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's again, it's like again when I when I talked about, I think Dawkins is going to have a good singles run. I think Dawkins will be will be okay. Like a, maybe maybe a main eventer, but I think he'll be wanting more comfortable as in the mid card range. Hmm. I mean, but who knows? It's like never say never. It's like exactly yeah. Anyway. Uh, in terms of another thing, I want to just briefly mention, because we don't had a chance to mention this, but uh, amongst everything that we've been watching recently, I also had a chance to check out the Impact Slammiversary pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. And speaking as someone who has watched TNA nearly from the beginning, on and off, like not massively the past couple of years, it was a fun show. If you want to see something that's a decent introduction to the current state of Impact, as it were, that sound, made it sound really bad, but a good state of play, as it were. You kind of get to see who there is, get to see get to see some old faces as well. One of the bigger things on the show was there being a, I think it was a 10-man tag, or it was a multi-man tag match of like current TNA people, like the, the Honor No More faction led by Eddie Edwards uh, against the TNA Originals, as they called it, and there being a mystery person involved. Like, who will the final mystery person be on the TNA Originals? And my first thought was, well... If there's going to be one person you're going to bring out for who this would be, I would say Jeff Jarrett. To me, that makes total sense. Then I remembered while watching the show, oh, wait, Jarrett's with WWE now. Ain't no way that's going to bloody happen. So who's it going to be? And it ended up being Davey Richards, of all people, who mm-hmm. is longtime tag team partner of Eddie Edwards. It was a fun 10-man tag match. I'll be honest, I don't think many people thought Davey Richards either, based on the reaction. But... Davy Richards has got a fun thing that he does in that sometimes the way he tries to get the crowd to cheer is he'll just say something kind of quite loudly. So when he used to team with Eddie Edwards and they were called the American Wolves, he would occasionally just shout, American Wolves! Like that. And Davy's chosen catchphrase for this show was simply, Impact! <laughs> and every time he did it, I just laughed. But a, a fun show overall... Main event was Josh Alexander against Eric Young. Worth checking out. Really, really decent match. Eric Young being the ultra heel, despite being one of the most beloved people technically in the history of Impact. Really fun dynamic on that. There was an Ultimate X match in there as well. There was a Queen of the Mountain match rather than King of the Mountain because it was for the women's title. Some really good stuff overall. So if you want to see a fun show, kind of giving you a good glimpse of past and present while acknowledging the past as well, Fun show to go and check out. You can order that on Fight as well for anyone interested on Fight.tv. I think there's, what was it? I think Impact. I mean, I had a quick skim of, skim of I think, before the Impact on their YouTube channel is they they do have some, like, not all the highlight, like, match replays, but they have key highlight bits. You still see some of the bits that happen in the match. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it looked like a good event. Also, Alan Angels is debuting on Impact this week. Now former AEW yes. wrestler Alan Angels. He is. So there we go. Good, sir. Before we wrap up, anything additional that you would like to mention or maybe something that you checked? Uh, I was going to talk about the wonderful world of ma- maximum male models, but I'll save that for next show. Understood. Because, they, because, because they're debuting the Tenniswear collection, Jeremy. The Tenniswear. I can't wait to see what Mansoir and... I, can't, I don't know what, what they renamed Mace to now. Massey, there we go. <laughs> okay, I've got to say, renaming him to Massey 
is a very good use of, of spellings well, but, of names and well, accents. Well, well, basically, it's like, oh, we've got this. Like, they're going to have us, like, we well, got Max Dupree. And it's like, they're here to titillate the, your, the juices of your guilty pleasures. And it's like, you know him as Mace, but now he is... Oh, I forgot what I called him now. Who? Marseille? Marseille. There we go. <laughs> as, in the, as in the place in France? Yes. It's like, you know him as Mace, but he is called Marseille. And it's like, you know him as Mansour, but now he's Mansoir. Mansour. Mansour comes out dressed as a proper model, but also with a bum bag wrapped around his shoulder because modeling. <laughs> so do you reckon they may add more people to this group? Or- they could. They could. <laughs> I think, I think it, it's, it's the combination of this is stupid bollocks, but it is magnificent stupid bollocks. And I hope, I hope it forms into they actually pose a threat of some description. It's kind of like you expect pretty deadly from NXT UK and, and regular NXT to turn up into the, into the faction as well to join them. It's like, you know them as pretty deadly. Now they are petite déjeuner. <laughs> I look forward to them approaching Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser to try and do a photo shoot with them, and then them just getting obliterated. Oh, I think I think Kaiser would be bloody up for it. To be perfect, have you honest. seen his abs whenever he posts a photo on Twitter? It's just basically it's Ludwig Kaiser. I'm outside the building yard, and here are abs. It's like fair enough. He's got like Good an job. Eight, he's got an eight pack. I mean, fair, I mean, again, fair credit to him and, and Gunther with their transformations. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like. Hello, Ludwig. Oh, hi. I'm Ludwig Kaiser. It's like every time he introduces Gunther, it's like he's just he's just stepped out of an M&S advert. It's like, he's serene, general. And he brings the microphone off. He takes a big, deep in-breath of fake. He's like, he's he's taking in the aroma. Of the, he's taking in the senses of the moment before he goes, Gunther. I'm looking forward to there being highlights whenever they next go to Germany and those two go out into the ring. <laughs> And them just being beloved. It's going to be amazing. You know, at the moment, if Bobby Lashley holds on to the United States belt, you know what we get at Survivor Series at the moment? We get Lashley versus Gunther. On that on that bombshell, everybody, because I can't think... <laughs> honestly, I just want to see two giant men just beat the piss out of each other. Great stuff. <laughs> but uh, on that note, everyone, I think we're going to bring it to a close. Uh, another thing when it comes to wrestling around the world, the, the New Japan G1 tournament begins imminently this month so i'm gonna try and watch some i'm never gonna see all the damn things there's so many people involved but uh so don't be surprised if you hear some random thoughts on that because it may have aew implications because new japan wrestlers are still mentioning aew people in backstage promos Mm. i think el desperado said he wanted to face john moxley shingo said he wants to wrestle for titles and hiromu takahashi was like i didn't get a chance to team with mr sting and i'm very unhappy Sad. But, and also, Pac is defending the All-Atlantic belt this coming weekend in Sheffield at the Rev Pro Show. So they're literally making it an international title. I'm very happy about this. Yes. Very, very happy about this. But as mentioned at the top of the show, everybody, if you would like to learn more about Bunkerzilla, you can do so. Simply search for the Bunkerzilla UK YouTube channel. You can find our channel there. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe and then you can, can be kept up to date on when we have our upcoming live stream, which will be Wednesday next week, when you can tune into that live if you would like to. If you are an audio listener, thank you very much for listening in. You can find us on the likes of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you name it, we are more than likely there. Make sure you tell a friend, and if you feel so inclined, hit that subscribe button. Good sir, any additional housekeeping notes before we wrap up proper? 
I should clarify, it should be Wednesday the 13th of July. We've been saying next Wednesday, but they might be listening to this episode many months in the future. So just to clarify. It's a fair point. It's a fair, fair point. point. So yes, we're, yeah. So if you're, if you're listening to this, our next live show is on, uh, Wednesday the 13th of July, but it's usually every two weeks on a Wednesday on the Bungs of the YouTube channel. So regardless, there will be something every two weeks. So whenever you're listening to this, you'll find a bunker you'll find a bunker mania every two weeks from Wednesday. With all of that being said, and that very useful clarification there, thank you very much for tuning in. Until next time, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. Until next time, let's hope in theory it's gonna be a good week in wrestling because hopefully it will. In theory. Adios. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk.